tonight's reading is Revelation 6, page 1237 of your Pew Bibles. The seals. I watched as the Lamb opened the first of the seven seals. Then I heard one of the four living creatures say in a voice like thunder, Come. I looked, and there before me was a white horse. Its rider held a bow, and he was given a crown, and he rode out as a conqueror bent on conquest. When the Lamb opened the second seal, I heard the second living creature say, Come. Then another horse came out, a fiery red one. Its rider was given power to take peace from the earth and to make people kill each other. To him was given a large sword. When the lamb opened the third seal, I heard the third living creature say, Come. I looked, and there before me was a black horse. Its rider was holding a pair of scales in his hand. Then I heard what sounded like a voice among the four living creatures saying, A kilogram of wheat for a day's wages, and three kilograms of barley for a day's wages, and do not damage the oil and the wine. When the lamb opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth living creature saying, Come. I looked, and there before me was a pale horse. Its rider was named Death, and Hades was following close behind him. They were given power over a quarter of the earth to kill by sword, famine and plague, and by the wild beasts of the earth. When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain because of the word of God, and the testimony they had maintained. They called out in a loud voice, How long, Sovereign Lord, holy and true, until you judge the inhabitants of the earth and avenge our blood? Then each of them was given a white robe, and they were told to wait a little longer, until the full number of their fellow servants, their brothers and sisters, were killed just as they had been. I watched as he opened the sixth seal. There was a great earthquake. The sun turned black like sackcloth made of goat hair. The whole moon turned blood red. And the stars in the sky fell to earth as figs drop from a fig tree when shaken by a strong wind. The heavens receded like a scroll being rolled up, and every mountain and island was removed from its place. Then the kings of the earth, the princes, the generals, the rich, the mighty, and everyone else, both slave and free, hid in caves, and among the rocks of the mountains, they called to the mountains and the rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of their wrath has come, and who can withstand it? This is the word of the Lord. 
Well, what about that? Quite a reading, isn't it? We're going to need God's help um, to understand it. So shall we just take a moment to, to pray? Let's pray, shall we? God, our Father, thank you for your word. And we thank you even for the parts that we find difficult and hard to understand. And yet we know they're there for our benefit, for our good, for our, for our correcting, for our training, for your purposes. And we pray that we will hear from you tonight, that you may open our hearts to your word, that we may be changed by it. For we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it's been a difficult week, hasn't it? Um, a difficult week uh, as a nation, as we've mourned the death of Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth. It's been a, a difficult year as we've grappled uh, with the, uh, the fallout of the pandemic. It's been a difficult year as we think about the, the war in Europe, in Ukraine. It's been a difficult year as we think about the cost of living uh, crisis that's going on. It's been a difficult year. And I wonder how you feel about uh, the past. I wonder how you feel about the present. I wonder how you feel about the, the, the future. Perhaps you feel anxious, you feel uncertain, perhaps you feel sad, perhaps you feel worried, perplexed, despondent. It could be any of those. Well, God's word comes to us tonight with reassurance that the Lord reigns. And in fact, Revelation, the whole of Revelation, is about that and, and helping us to see that the Lord reigns and to, to know that and to trust that. John was recording this vision for Christians who were suffering, suffering in ways that we um, certainly haven't experienced here. They were persecuted, they were being killed for their faith, and he wanted them to know that the Lord reigns. He really reigns. He's the Lord of history. And that doesn't mean um, that they didn't have questions and concerns. And it's the same for us. We will have questions. Revelation 6 is quite a, a bleak chapter. And we might rightly ask, as we look at it this evening, why does God allow suffering? Why is God allowing pain and all these things to go on? Why? For what purposes? And that's what we're going to think about this evening. And, uh, and um, we're going to have, get a glimpse of some answers, but I do want you to, 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 to sort of hold back. It's not going to be a whole answer, is it? Far from it. Um, but we are going to catch a glimpse of some answers. Uh, and in the knowledge that it's not random, it is not without purpose. So chapter 5 um, introduces us to a scroll, and uh, that's the previous chapter that we looked at last week. It's in God's hand, and it's sealed with seven seals, and it represents what is really going on. It, it represents reality, and it represents God's plans that are actually hidden um, the only one worthy to open it and to reveal it to us is the lamb who was slain, who is? 
Jesus song. Glad to uh, keep us awake, have a bit of participation. Um, so Jesus opens the first seal and out rides uh, four horses with their riders. And you may uh, have heard them. They're often referred to in popular fiction as the four uh, horsemen of the apocalypse. And uh, just to give you a, a bit of a flavour of that, they've often been pictured in art. Does anybody know this one? Probably not. It's a Russian painter. His name was Viktor Vaznestov, 1887. And you can see the four there. Um, for those of you who are a bit more up to date, they're also pictured here. Who's seen the Marvel movies? Has anyone seen this one, this particular one? This is the apocalypse from the X-Men. There, there's the four horsemen, or horsewomen, um, depicted there. And of course, they've even been um, depicted here as well. <laughs> Anybody know Minecraft? Don't, you can admit to it, in Minecraft. Uh, so there's a new data pack that came out in 2021. For those who like Minecraft, you can go and download it afterwards. So they've been depicted in all sorts of places. We're going to, use, we're going to keep this one up because this is my favourite, because my, my children love Minecraft. Now remember, it's picture language. Hence, there's three different pictures with three different, very um, different ways of, of uh, putting them across. And when we first read it, it looks really weird and really strange to us, okay? And one of the things we've got to remind ourselves, we're not trying to identify particular people or historical events, specifically a place or a time, although we, it would have meant a lot, wouldn't it, to the very first readers, uh, as John um, wrote it down. But they're also, these images, speaking of a reality that occurs again and again and again throughout history, Okay whether it was in the first century or whether it's in the 21st century. It's a picture of reality. And we're going to work our way through each of the four horsemen. And, and they're a picture of, I'll give you all four of them now. They're a picture of uh, conquest, war, if we have the next slide. Conquest, war, famine, and death. Okay? They'll come up. Uh, thank, thank you, Nigel. So conquest, the first one, verse 2. I looked, and therefore before me was a white horse. Its rider held a bow, and he was given a crown, and he rode out as a conqueror bent on con conquest. Notice the horseman has a crown here. It's an image of a crown, and he has a bow, and it represents that kind of um, theme of historic um, imperialism. Okay? And John wrote this vision down in the context of the Roman Empire. And uh, there was Nero, who was particularly bad, and there was Domitian as well. And of Domitian, it was written, he was ruthless and efficient autocrat. Um, that's the kind of context of which it was written in. But history has shown us many, many, many brutal uh, conquerors whether it's under any particular empire that you might read, the Ottoman, the Khmer Rouge, Nazi Germany, ISIS. And let's not forget also some very dreadful things that were done under the British Empire. 
And now what do we see in Ukraine? So notice the first ride is on a white horse. As it comes out, um, it looks the part. If you go back to the other, one of the other pictures, you can see it kind of looks all regal and, and majestic. But it isn't Jesus. It's not Jesus. And so it's a reminder that we shouldn't be looking to these kind of earthly con conquest um, leaders. They're only interested in conquest. Then there's a second seal is open. Jesus opens the second seal. Verse 4, then another horse came out, a fiery red one. Its rider was given power to take peace from the earth and to make people kill each other. To him was given a large sword. So this is the theme, isn't it, of war and conflict, kind of building on the last one of war and conflicts. The spirit of revolution, of kind of civil uprising and unrest, which causes so much suffering and pain. And one of the things we've got to remember in the, our particular age and time is that this is unusual, having this kind of peace. And we mustn't take that for granted. Actually, history tells us there's always been a lot of war and conflict. This horseman was given a large sword. Notice it's a large one because it's a, there's a lot of it in our, in our world. This is what we see in history. Peace is taken away as people turn on each other. People turn on each other. One of the things that concerns me, and maybe concerns you, as we look at the world now, is that kind of slow bubbling away of division in our society. Have you noticed that? Do you feel that sometimes? Whether it's between unionism or dissolution, or whether it's between Brexit and Remain, left or right, whatever kind of way of dividing people. There's a kind of greater, greater polarization. And that happens as we move away from God. That's what happens. And it ultimately finishes up in war and conflict and bloodshed. As people, people become conflicted with one another. I'm afraid it gets worse. Verse 5. The lamb opened the third seal... And there before me was a black horse. Its rider was holding a pair of scales in his hands. Now this one represents um, scarcity or economic hardship, uh, famine, effectively. Um, this is inevitable effects of the previous two, of conquest and of war and conflict. It's, again, is that not what we've seen played out in history? Is that not what we see played out now? As you see Ukraine, what does that war and conflict lead to? It leads to famine, shortage of food, etc. In the ancient world, war had a devastating impact uh, because it made farming impossible. It made it really hard. They destroyed crops, they stole food. And so verse 6, a, a kilogram of wheat for a day's wage... And three kilograms of barley for a day's wage. He's basically saying, look at inflation. <laughs> look at inflation. Look at what's going on as this war takes hold. And then he says, and do not damage the oil and the wine. Now, why does he say oil and wine? He says oil and wine because they're the commodities that are enjoyed by um, those who are rich and those who are wealthy, those who have a lot. And the implication is, you know, 
keep those. Watch out that they don't go, because we need those, we want those. And of course, the implication is that the poorest are those who are most affected by famine and war and conflict. And, and so John is saying, this is, this is the reality, and this is what Jesus is revealing to, to them and to us now. Fourthly, a seal is opened by the Lamb, verse 8. I looked, and there before me was a pale horse. Its rider was named Death, and Hades was following close behind him. They were given power over a quarter of the earth to kill by sword, famine, and plague, and by the wild beasts of the earth. It's a pale horse. It's a pale horse because it's literally like death warmed up, isn't it? Looks terrible. And so this one represents all premature causes of death, isn't it? And they're listed there. The consequences of all these things, scarcity and famine leads to malnutrition, infection, and death. Uh, Interesting, the wild beasts mentioned here, most writers and commentators think that's to do with the people who were thrown to the lions, and particularly Christians who were thrown to the lions. Um, for sport by the, the Roman Empire, into the arenas. You must have heard of those kind of gladiator, gladiatory um, bat, um, uh, things that were done for pleasure. And it, it, we mustn't forget that plagues is mentioned here, is it? Plagues. Um, COVID-19. Tragically, it's estimated at 6.52 million deaths worldwide. So there's a history of conquest, of war, famine, and death. And that is the reality. It's not just a thing in the past. It's a thing now, and it's a thing that will come about in the future. That is a reality. Now, what are we to make of that reality? That's what Jesus is opening these seals and saying is, is, is reality. The Lamb, Jesus opens the first four seals, and they represent evil forces and evil things. But they are no threat to Jesus, and, they sh- uh, and uh, uh, he reveals them for what they really are. And so we need to, s- to have that too. We need to see them for what they are. We do need to face this. Sometimes we can think about life as such a kind of rose-tinted view of it. But the picture is a, it's a stark one, isn't it? It's a picture of devastation. And you're all thinking, why have I come to church tonight to hear about plagues and death and conquest and war and famine? Well, please stick with me. There's something about this that reminds me of those awful pictures that we see from maybe Aleppo in Syria or whether it's Maripol. Um, someone, it's like someone has ridden through, isn't it? Not perhaps on a, on a, a horse, but on a bulldozer. And that's the kind of view that we have on reality that's coming and just smashed things to bits. And it can look random, but we need to be reassured here that God is telling us there is a plan and there is a purpose. And it doesn't surprise God. It doesn't come as a surprise to him. Why does, though, God not end all that? Why does he not just bring it, suffering and pain to an end? And that's why we need to then move on to these seals five and six, which give us a glimpse of an answer. And I have to say again, it's a glimpse. Let's not get carried away. There will be questions. And the first glimpse he gives us is of witness. 
Seal 5 is the theme of witness. Verse 9, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain because of the word of God and the testimony, that's another word for witness, that they had maintained. Here we're given that glimpse uh, of another view of history. We're given the glimpse of Christian martyrs who've witnessed down through the years, who've been killed for their faith in the Lord Jesus. There's an organisation called Open Doors, which I think are coming to talk to the... going to have a big event, uh, aren't we, in, in a few uh, weeks' time here for the young people who, who look at, into the persecuted church. Uh, free plug there for young people. Come along to that. They estimate there's 340 million Christians, 340 million Christians that are suffering persecution right now somewhere in this world. And so John gives us a vision of souls that are slain. And yet they're safe with the presence of law because they're under the altar. That's, that's where God is, so they're safe. They're safe with God. Yet they cry out, verse 10, How long, sovereign Lord, holy and true, until you judge the inhabitants of the earth and avenge our blood? We can read the word avenge and... Um, read it in the wrong way. It's not a cry of a kind of vindictive nature, you know, a kind of get them back, Lord. It's not that kind of uh, sense. It's a cry, actually, of righteous justice, uh, of doing what is right and true, because your name is true and your name is holy. And the answer is a strange one that comes back, verse 11, Then each was given a white robe and they were told to wait. Wait for what? And it continues. Wait for the full number of their fellow servants, their brothers and sisters. So it's about waiting. Waiting is hard. I think about all that queue that we've just been talking about uh, for the queue for the queen, all that waiting. I couldn't do that kind of waiting. The martyrs cry out, how long? And God says, not yet. Why does he do that? Well, if he had have stopped the persecution in John's day, he'd have to stop everything. And he'd have to bring judgment day there and then, wouldn't he? And, and that would be bad news for those who are not ready to meet the living God. You know, I think about it in this way. I am glad that he has delayed, that has been waiting, so that until the 1980s, when I became a Christian, I'm kind of glad about that. Or whether it's last week that you became a Christian, so I could hear of and believe Jesus. So God's willingness is to allow pain and suffering, as hard as it is for us to understand. It's not because he's indifferent, but because he has an amazing grace and love, and he gives time. He wants people to be saved. He wants people to know Jesus. And it's urgent. So there's a, a witness. Um, I, I thought I would share one uh, of my favorite martyr um, stories about this idea of how witness is one of the reasons why there is waiting and delay. Um, it's a, a Welshman, Robert Germain Thomas. Who knows Robert Germain Thomas? Must be, I, was, I knew Andrew would. He's a great... Uh, missionary uh, in the 19th century. He went to Korea to never, the, the 
Christianity had never gone there. He was the first Christian missionary to go. He was on an American ship called the General Sherman, which was a, a trading ship, and he wanted to go along on it down the river to uh, Pongyang. On the outskirts, as he went down, it was attacked by the, the Koreans, and um, uh, as he tried to, as it was going down, the ship was actually sank, and as it was going down, he got off the ship, and eyewitnesses saw him with a white flag in his hand and a pile of Bibles in his arm, and he's throwing them at the banks of the river, saying, Jesus, Jesus, in Korea. After the attack, several Koreans um, grabbed the Bibles, and most of them got um, burnt uh, and thrown away. And he was martyred and died in that um, sinking of that ship. Um, but some took the Bibles home. And um, because paper was rare as well, some of them took the paper from the Bibles and stuck it on and used it as wallpaper in their houses. And you can guess what happened. <laughs> can't you? People read the walls of the, the paper and became intrigued and wondered about Jesus, this guy that they were reading on the walls of this guy's house. And many became interested and many uh, later uh, Christians came and missionaries came and, and heard about this and became, people became Christians. So that's about the purpose of witness through something of pain and suffering. The sixth seal. We're given another glimpse of the reason why God doesn't answer all the pain and suffering now. Well, one day he will, uh, because there is not only a witness, there is actually a warning. And so verse 12, there was a great earthquake, the sun turned black like sackcloth, made of goat hair, the moon turned blood red, and the stars in the sky fell to earth. This is the language of the end of the world. Okay? And so it comes to us as a, a warning. Yes, there's a great celebration and joy for those who, who know Jesus, where mourning is over and death is destroyed and there's no more suffering, no more pandemic, no more um, uh, poverty or economic crisis or whatever it is. There's no more of that. But yet it is a terrible day for those who are not ready. That's what it's saying here. And we read in verse 15, those who are not ready are hiding in caves, hiding from the face of him who sits on the throne. The wrath of the Lamb, that's the wrath of the Lamb. That's actually Jesus, isn't it? And that's perhaps hard for us to hear. Um, the idea of the wrath of Jesus, it'd be hard to stomach. But we have to face the fact, the reality, of do we want a world... Um, do we really want a world without the consequences of sin? We need justice to be done. Whether it's the evil of Holocaust or the tyranny of conquest, the horrors of war and oppression and abuse, whatever it might be. And as you think about them hiding in caves, it's hiding, isn't it, from the reality of God. And, and there are many testimonies of, in the, uh, of the officers that were controlling the Nazi concentration camps after the liberation they said they did what they did because they thought no one was watching them they thought no one was watching them 
And that's the reality of a world without a just God. We just think that nobody's watching us and we can do what we like. But there is someone who's sitting on the throne. There is somebody who cares deeply, cares deeply about sin and evil, who is holy and just, and one day, one day justice will be done. Yet we realise that same sin and evil is in our hearts too, isn't it? We know that we're not good. We know that we're in many ways not ready. And so thankfully and wonderfully and brilliantly and beautifully, God has given us a way to be ready, hasn't he? Through the Lamb. It's always that repeating right throughout Revelation is that the Lamb who was slain, the Lamb who was slain. He took the wrath, didn't he, instead of us. He died in our place so that we wouldn't die, so that we could be with God forever. See, there's a choice. Either, you see, there's always a a choice, isn't there? Either Jesus dies for us in our place and we can know the freedom that he gives us from judgment and hell, or we can face it alone. That is the choice. Verse 17 ends the chapter, for the great day of their wrath has come. Who can stand? Who can stand? Well, the answer is those who are trusting in the Lord Jesus. You and I, if you're trusting in him, we can stand. We can stand whatever is to come if we're trusting in Jesus. So, persevere. Keep going. No matter what is happening in history around us, with all its conquest and war and conflict and famine and death. Keep going. Yes, it's a world full of devastation and destruction, of pain and suffering caused by sin and evil. And yet God sends his witnesses into the world. We're to be witnesses to and to warn people because it is that stark. We need to encourage people to believe in the lamb who was slain. Let us not ignore the warning it would be terrible, wouldn't it, to, to ignore that warning. It's a bit like the alarm clock in my bedroom that goes off early in the morning at 6.15. I just ignore it and I hit it. And I love to go back on to snooze. But we must wake up when we hear the alarm sounding. We need to wake up to the fact that the world is a mess And there is still time to turn to the living God. It would be terrible to doze through it, keep hitting the snooze button. Or or even perhaps to wake up momentarily, to wake up momentarily to realise that something dreadful and awful happening and I need to do something about it. Maybe it's even a pandemic or a war going on or the cost of living or something like that. And then to perhaps just drift back off to sleep as if nothing is happening in the world. Verse 70, who can stand, it says. It asks me a question, it asks you a question, it asks all of us a question. Who can stand? Through Jesus Christ, anyone can stand. You can stand as well as me because of what he's done on the cross. He took the wrath. So you and I wouldn't have to take it. The lamb who was slain. He loved us so much. 
who died to save us. Father God, we thank you for your word to us tonight. It's very sobering. And yet we thank you for the Lord Jesus, the Lamb who was slain. We thank you that we can face this world, the reality around us, with all its conquest and war and famine and death, knowing in the Lord Jesus that we can face it, we can stand. And I pray for anyone here tonight who hasn't made that choice to follow Jesus, that they might do it tonight. And I pray, Father, for all of us who have made that choice, that we would stand and be your witnesses, no matter the consequences. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.